Last week I preached a message that was entitled um, Awesome God, Ordinary People. Uh, And if you weren't here, that's fine. But uh, just to recap, I talked about uh, the complexity of God, the fact that God (coughs) created the entire universe, the fact that uh, a few weeks back we watched a clip about the universe, you know, and it's massive, right? and, And we are so small in this massive universe. And I talked about how if you think about the storyline of God, like if you, if you, were, to, if you were to map God's storyline from the beginning to the, well, there is no beginning, no end, right? But, you know, if you were to map God in a movie, we would be maybe 0.3 of a second in the background of one very quick scene. And that would be our whole life. But yet that 0.3 of a second is incredibly important to God. Yet us in this massive universe that live on a tiny earth, that live on a tiny country on the earth, live in a tiny town in the country, we are tiny, yet so important to God. Yet what we do is so important to God, how we live is important to God. He is the awesome God and we are the ordinary And I don't know about you, but I said last week, I just find it very freeing that we get to be ordinary. That we don't need to be awesome, particularly not all the time. We don't need to be awesome because he is awesome, so we can be ordinary. I like the idea of that. Part two of my message is awesome God, ordinary people, extraordinary plans. I love it when ordinary people do unexpected things. You know, when someone who, who you just, you know, maybe you grew up with them and you knew them just as Joe Bloggs, you know, and then you see them, you know, doing amazing things. You know, like, who went to school with Melissa Galloway? Anyone here? Surely someone went to school with Melissa Galloway. Is Melissa even here before I talk about her? <laughs> I didn't ask, I literally just thought of her. But, you know, oh, there you go, you're related to Mrs. Uh, Melissa Galloway. Your son went to school with Miss Melissa Galloway, right? And then he married her. But, you know, she was an, she's an ordinary person, but yet she's doing extraordinary things, amazing things on the world stage to do with horse riding. Uh, when we see God do amazing things through people, I don't know about you, uh, but it makes me feel good. It makes me feel like no matter how unremarkable I might feel, that God can do something extraordinary through me. The whole book of Acts is basically a narrative, story after story, about how God used people to shape the world. Acts 4, verse 13 to 14. Now, when the men of the Sanhedrin, which is the Jewish high court, saw the confidence and the boldness of Peter and John and grasped the fact that they were uneducated, untrained, in brackets, ordinary men, they were astounded and began to recognize that they had been with Jesus. And seeing a man who had been healed standing there with them, they had nothing to say in reply. I love that so much that they began to recognize that they had been with Jesus. It tells me that all things are possible once we've been with Jesus. I don't know about you, but every single time I struggle, every single time I fail, every single time that I fall, it's been I've been trying to do it on my own strength. It's been when I've I've been trying to be awesome Amber, when really it's the awesome God. 
You know, when we try and do things our own strength, we try and solve our own problems before we talk to God. When we try and carry everything before we talk to God. When we try and be all things to all people rather than letting God be everything to us, we fail because we're ordinary. Matthew 19, verse 26 says, With man, this is impossible, but with God, all things are possible. And I want to say this, you know, sometimes I try to stay away from what you would call the catchy Bible, Bible passages, which is, you know, for God so loved the world, he gave his only son, and God, all things are possible. With, with God, all things are possible. But you know what? They're in the Bible. They're in the Bible for a reason. That God didn't write the Bible so we could pick out a few catchy phrases that make us feel good and make some memes out of them and go, oh, isn't it great that, you know, all things are possible. But all things are possible with Jesus. God didn't write them in the Bible so we could use them as catchy phrase. The, the words on the pages of our Bible, I brought my Bible so I could just say, the words on the pages of the Bible, because I usually type out the Bible, right? The words on the pages of the Bible, the things that God says in the Bible are there for a reason. They're there for a purpose. These pages mean something. It was planned very well by God. And if we take a moment to go through a list of some ordinary, unqualified men and women in the Bible that God chose to use to do the most unexpected things. Let's start with Abraham and Sarah. They were old. Not that there's anything wrong with being old. But they thought the best was behind them. They certainly didn't think that they were going to have a baby. I'm sure all of the old people in the room would hope that they're not either. But <laughs> I mean, I hope I'm not. So <laughs> I know a lot of you think I'm old. So it's, all, it's all relative, right? <laughs> they were old. They thought the best was behind them. They thought it was literally a joke that God could use them in the way that he did. But he used, God used them to build a nation. What about Joseph, the spoiled favorite son, the entitled teen, who clearly had no idea how his brothers felt about his place in the family when he goes and eagerly tells them that he had a dream that, you know, you're all going to bow down to me. I don't know about you, but I've got three older brothers and I don't think it would have gone down very well. <laughs> I'm not sure they would have sold me, but they were thought I was the favorite anyway because I'm the only girl. So now I just say... Of course I'm the favourite. Why wouldn't I be? <laughs> it's got to bask in the glory, right? Even if it's not really true, because I think parents love their children all the same. I think, they li- I think my mum probably likes me more than she likes my brothers, because I like hang out with her and have coffee with her and stuff like that. But I don't think that she loves me more. Do you know what I mean? Right, mum? Yeah. <laughs> I might not be a favourite now, but <clears throat> I talked about her. He clearly had no idea his brothers felt about him, but he was schooled through God's classroom of trials from being sold and, you know, succeeding and falling. You know, he, he was schooled through God's uh, classroom of trials and he ended up being able to save both Egypt and Israel. Moses, we heard about him last week. He was on, but on top of all of his excuses and the things that he would try and say when God tries to use him, he'd also grown up as an Israelite, in an Egyptian home, he was a murderer. He murdered a soldier 
And then he didn't face the fact that he'd done that. He just ran away. But God still chose to use him. Not that I'm condoning murder or running away. But saying that anything is possible with God. Rahab was a prostitute, so lowly, lowly, lowly ranked in her time and her era of, of living. But God chose to use her to help spies to overtake Jericho. Jonah, who literally heard the call of God and ran away, not even figuratively ran away, like literally physically ran in the opposite direction from where God told him to be. He was like the ultimate escapist, thinking he could escape from God, but God brought him back to save Nineveh. Esther, an orphaned, an adopted orphan who became queen over Israel. Paul, the biggest enemy to Christians that we've potentially still ever seen, you know, killing Christians, persecuting them, treating them really badly, who became the most prolific Christian in the New Testament. Noah. Noah's slightly different. We hear conflicting stories about Noah, don't we? We hear, we hear in Genesis 6, it says, Noah was a righteous man, blameless among the people of God, and, he walked, and that he walked faithfully. Uh, people of God at his time, and he walked faithfully with God. But then only a few chapters later, he's, he's a drunk. After God uses him to say, you know, with, with the ark and all that, you know, Noah's, no ark, Noah's ark, you know, all that, that bit. Even if you're not in church for a long time, you t- tend to know the Noah's ark story. God used him, and uh, sobering is not the right word, but it's kind of sobering slash alarming, humbling, that we can be righteous in this chapter of our lives and in the will of God, yet a few chapters later, we have the potential to be a drunkard. Sobering is not the right word because it would be, you know. But humbling all the same. Just because one day we're in the will of God does not mean that we can take it for granted. Our eyes and our ears, our eyes need to be fixed on Jesus. Our ears need to be inclined to hear his word for us to walk in his way, for us to be used in extraordinary ways, to be continued to use in extraordinary ways. We need to have our eyes on our awesome God. Awesome God, ordinary people, extraordinary plans. Jeremiah 29, verse 11 to 14. For I know the plans I have for you, declares the Lord, plans to prosper you and not to harm you, plans to give you a hope and a future. Then you will call on me and come and pray to me. I will listen to you. You will seek me and find me when you seek me with all your heart. I will be found by you, declares the Lord. If we seek, we will find. If we seek God, we will find our call. If we seek God, we will find our direction. If we seek God, we will find his plan. It may not come neatly packaged up and like here, here is a 10-page glossary and all you've got to do in your life, Riley. In fact, I can tell you it's not going to come like that because where would be the excitement? Where would be the element of faith? Where would be the, the risk? Where would be all the exciting things that, that uh, God wants to surprise us with? It may not come clear, but he does lead us. He does guide us. That's literally a prayer. I pray nearly every day. God, I pray that you would lead me and that you would guide me. 
I don't just need to be led as to what I'm going to be doing in five or ten years. I need to be led as to what I'm going to say next, literally, right now. (laughs) I mean, I've got notes, but you know. Uh, We don't need to just be led and guided in the big things. I think we think that God doesn't care about the little things, but actually that's the complex and amazing thing about God, is that he he is awesome, extraordinary, amazing, but he cares about our little things. He cares about our little things. What we do in our day, day day-to-day life, our jobs, our whatever we do, isn't his ultimate call in our lives. Who I am is his greatest call, not what I do. The people that that we become, God cares more about who you are than what you do. 1 Thessalonians 4 verse 3, God's will is that you be holy. Uh, That chapter in the Bible, 1 Thessalonians 4, it's entitled Living to Please God. So, you know, if that's what you want to do, feel free to read it at some point. Even in verse, in verse uh, 11, it even says, mind your own business. Who's ever, you know, been talking to their partner or someone and another adult and the kid comes up and goes, what are you talking about? And now you can biblically say, I quote the word of the Lord to you, mind your own business. <laughs> it's probably not quite exactly what he was going with and putting it in the Bible, but <clears throat> we don't need to be awesome or extraordinary, he does. We don't need to be perfect. He is. But to really be used by God, his will for us is holiness. Not to be perfect, but to pursue holiness. In 1 Peter 1 verse 16, we read, you should be holy for I am holy. But what is holiness? How can we be holy? It's a word we banter around, you know, we don't need to be holy. No, we don't need to be holy for God to love us. But we should be, as Christians, in pursuit of holiness. The the word translated holiness, the word word holiness translated in the New Testament means to be set apart. Not perfect, set apart. Dictionary definition of holiness, in the highest sense, belongs to God. God is holy, right? But to Christi- and to Christians as consecrated to God's service, in so far as we, com- uh, we are conformed in all things to the will of God. Personal, hol- I like this, personal holiness is a work of gradual development. It is uncarried. It is carried on under many hindrances, hence the frequent sin, but watchfulness, prayer, and perseverance. So we're going to frequently sin in our pursuit of holiness. When we do something wrong, we are not holy because we, we are not holy. God is holy. Only God is holy but our pursuit of holiness is carried out under many hindrances. Who feels there's many hindrances in their pursuit of holiness? 
I think every hand should be up, but you know, <laughs> it's okay. I think personally that being perfect is an outward thing. Holiness is an inside heart attitude to God that if we get enough of it inside comes out in our actions. So I'm not condoning, I'm not condoning sin and saying, you know, you don't need to be perfect, so go on ahead and sin. In our pursuit of holiness, things come out in our actions. So often we come to church and we say, oh, it's really struggling. And, you know, I think sometimes we're just like, you know, five quick tips for an easier life. Five quick tips to, you know, smash this Christian thing and the world and everything we've got to do, but not, not too much, like, challenge or, uh, you know, I don't, I don't want it to require too much of me. Do you know how busy I already am? We forget our call. We forget our mission is to exalt God and to live for his glory. Here's a question to ponder. Do you want a life coach or a Lord? I'm discussing, she's not in the room so I can talk about her, discussing with my year 13 child about what she's going to do with her life. And she's very anxiety ridden, probably shouldn't say that, but she's very concerned about making the right decision. Like it's, you know, she's very concerned about making the right decision. Julian's getting a lot of that. (laughs) But God doesn't have one. I don't believe that God has one path for us. I'll talk about that more in a minute. But what does letting God's glory shape our desires and ambitions look like? Matthew 22, verse 36 to 40. Teacher, which is the greatest commandment in the Lord? Jesus said, Jesus replied, Love the Lord your God with all your heart and all your soul and all your mind. This is the first and greatest commandment. The second is like this love your neighbor as yourself. All the law and the prophets hang on these two commands. We're called to love him. That is the greatest call, the most important thing. Now, I know we come to church every week, and someone spends literally hours crafting some hopefully articulate, well-educated, hopefully a profound word from the Lord for you. And don't get me wrong, we will never exhaust what there is to learn in the Bible, ever, There will always be something to learn. There will always be something to teach. But when it all gets boiled down to it, my life, your life, all of it, his greatest desire, his plan, his call on our lives is that we would love the Lord our God with all our hearts, with all our soul, with all our mind, and that we would love other people. When we love him with all our hearts, that is a pursuit of holiness. When we are set apart for him, which is loving him with all our hearts, that is a pursuit of holiness. It's so, so simple, actually, to be a Christian, isn't it? Because we don't have to be awesome at it. We just have to pursue his holiness. Any awesome Christians out there? I don't expect any hands. 
I don't know about you, but I find the world very noisy. I found the world very, very noisy this week. It's been a very busy week. It's very hard to stop the body, to stop the mind, particularly a woman's mind. If you uh, know anything about the woman's mind, it goes a lot. Sometimes it's hard to stop, to hear his voice leading you and guiding you. But man, if we don't, that noisy, busy world will just run you flat over. It'll kill you. Psalm 27, verse 4 to 5. One thing I ask, one thing I ask from the Lord, this only do I seek, that I may dwell in the house of the Lord all the days of my life, to gaze on the beauty of the Lord and to seek him in his temple. For in the day of trouble, he will keep me safe in his dwelling. He will hide me in the shelter of his sacred tent and set me high upon his rock. One thing I ask of the Lord, one thing I seek, that I may dwell in the house of the Lord. Right now we're in the house of the Lord, but we can take you know, the good thing about being, living in a New Testament world, you know, is that we don't have to go to one place to dwell in the temple of the Lord. We take God everywhere we go. We don't know what the future will hold, but we do know who holds the future. And we know that he is good. And we know that he will bring what he began to completion. Philippians 1, t- 1 tells us that. If we pursue holiness first, wherever we may end up, whatever we end up doing will be of some importance, but yet ultimately reasonably trivial. Before every big decision, we just need to surrender to God, to pursue his holiness, to trust the Lord and his promises that he will make your path straight because the Bible says he will. Proverbs 3 verse 5, trust the Lord with all your heart, lean not on your own understanding, but in all ways submit to him and he will make straight your paths. My testimony in brief, very brief, of how I uh, ended up in ministry is that I, um, I was finishing school and I was not nearly as intelligent academically as my own children. I was not getting excellences. I was whew, barely straking through, especially if I had to write anything. I did mostly all art subjects in my year 13 year, and I sat at the, you know, wherever you sit, in the middle of the year, maybe going, I don't know what to do. Shall I become a teacher or shall I go to art school? Shall I go to teacher's college? Shall I go to art school? Do you know, I actually, back then, you needed a higher grade in English to get into art school than you did to get into teacher's college. Right? Anyway, I don't know what, I don't know what it's like now, but... Anyway, what shall I do? What shall I do? I decided to go to art school. So I went to art school for a year, and I was basically just torn that entire year. I was like, I have to do this art stuff. And as much as I loved it, I just wanted to be at my church. I would go to church after art school every day. I would serve, and I would hang out with the kids when they came after school. We we used to be near a, what's it called? A school. (laughs) (laughs) A school and all the kids used to come after school and hang out and it was cool and I used to help run the youth group and that's I was so drawn to just being in the church and, and to and to work in the church. So one day I said to my parents, <clears throat> I think I'm gonna drop out of art school and they're like, sweet as whatever you want. 
because I was really understanding like that. I think they probably expected me to say, and I'm going to go study to be a teacher. But no, no, I'm going to go work for the church. In fact, I don't even think I was working for the church. I think I was just volunteering. I think it was, you know. I literally fell into a job as a children's pastor. We planted a new church. This is honestly how I became a children's pastor. And I think this is really encouraging to all those to know that sometimes we find his call while we're on the journey all the way. So we literally go to this new church. In this new church, we had our first morning church service. About 60 people were there. I, I work in youth group. I don't, I don't, I don't know kids. I, I help in youth group. We have a very big youth group. It's very thriving. It's awesome. And literally the first week in the school hall, the pastor came up to me and said, there's kids. I said, yeah. Do you want to do something with them? <laughs> okay. <laughs> literally. From the next week, I was running kids' church. Honest, that's honestly how I became a children's pastor. And I was that children's pastor for eight years. Uh, before the church went through some difficulties and I cho- chose redundancy in that position in order for other people to keep their jobs because I was already pregnant with my first child. I left ministry vowing to never return. <laughs> Literally. Don't ever say never to God, I tell you. God clearly had other, other ideas and if I'm 100% honest, I probably said this before, I, I, I literally fought him on it. I did. But right now, seven years down the track... There are still moments, especially current times, where I'm thinking, how how did this happen, God? (laughs) But I want to tell you how it happened. I just tried to obey him. I just tried to hear his voice. I just tried to let him lead me and guide me. I honestly believe that if my pursuit of him In my pursuit of holiness and my pursuit to love him, I honestly believe he would have used me wherever I went. I could have said no to coming here and he still would have used me because God is pretty good. Because even God's second best is better than our best. Even God's second choice. I honestly believe that God will use you wherever I go. Yes, yes, he cares about what you do. Yes, he has a best. But his second best is not too bad either. And I honestly believe had I not put my hand up to come here, God would have just provided someone else. God's call on our lives is not one lane. His plan is not this or nothing. It's not like, oh, you missed the bus on doing that for me, so you can't do anything now. God is full of grace. He's full of mercy. His plan is not one lane. It's more like a playground. Go there for a while, do this, and you know. We just have to have faith in his plan, faith in his call. It may be messy. We may not often be able to see the next step, but our first job, our first call, the most important thing that God has called us to do is to love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your mind. When we're faced with two good choices, whether it to be with, to do with careers, places to live, jobs, decisions that you need to make. We can do those things, we can make those decisions confidently knowing that God wants our holiness regardless of our context. We're called to be like Jesus. He is our ultimate example. If there is something you don't much like about yourself, don't try to be someone else, just try to be like Jesus. 
Jesus touched everyone he saw in some way. He made a difference in their lives. And if we can make (coughs) one positive influence in one life every day, if every Christian could make one positive impact in one person's life every day, the world would be a different place. Instead of agonizing over what our ultimate call is, what about letting God lead you and guide you every day to make a difference in one person's life? There's this quote, it's from a teacher, but it works in other contexts too. A hundred years from now, it will not matter what my bank account was, what sort of house I lived in, or what kind of car I drove, but the world may be different because I was important in the life of one child or one person. Mel told a, told, tell a very brief part of Mel's testimony this morning when we had the nine o'clock meeting. She said that she went to school with a girl who didn't have a lot of, uh, she, was, she had some uh, Catholic upbringing, that's right, right? Catholic, and, and she invited her to church and the girl didn't really much like Mel's church either and she never really saw her you know, pursue God or anything like that. And then they haven't seen each other for 17 years and then she, she meets up with her and she's a pastor in a church with her husband. And she, Mel says to her, how did that happen? And she said, I, I link it all the way back to when you invited me to church, and that's when God started to pursue me. We pursue God, but Adele also shared an amazing testimony. We pursue God, but he pursued us first. We pursue him, but he pursued us far greater than we could ever pursue him. We may sacrifice some things that the world consider to be important, but it's nothing to compare to the sacrifice that he gave for us, his son dying on the cross. Can I have the worship band up, please? We have an awesome God that gives us permission to be ordinary people, but he has an extraordinary plan for our lives. And that plan is a pursuit of holiness. And everything else can be added to that. God can lead us and guide us into any where he wants us to go if we choose to love him with all our hearts, with all our souls, with all our minds, and love other people. Can you guys stand up? I'm just going to pray for you. really uh, want to encourage you that um, church was never designed to be a a passive uh, you sit and you receive event God designed church for us to be all in God designed church for us to all be a part of the body you know uh, if everybody if, if every you know the body of Christ is about there is a mouth, there are feet, there are hands, there is, we're all the body of Christ. And I believe that God wants us to respond to him in any way that you feel you're supposed to today. But don't be passive. As we sit here, as I pray for you, don't be passive. Ask God to lead you and guide you as to what he wants you to do in the next moment, in the next, the rest of the day, in the next week, in the next month. Lord, I want to thank you for you. 
I want to thank you, God, that you first loved us. I want to thank you, Lord, that your pursuit of us is relentless. I want to thank you, Lord, that there is nowhere we can go that is outside of your love, that is outside of your presence. No matter how far we might want to run, there is nowhere we can go that you will not find us. I want to thank you, Lord, for your pursuit of us. And Lord, I pray that you would help us as we, as your followers, as your children, as we pursue you, as we pursue holiness, as we pursue to love you with all our hearts, with all our souls, with all our minds. I want to thank you, Lord, that you meet us exactly where we are. And Lord, as we sing this song, Lord, I pray, Father, you would meet every person in this room. That you would meet them, you would come and you would flood their lives, that they would know your presence, they would know your call, that they would know you. Lord, we ask you to come.